Hi everyone, welcome to the Unity Podcast brought to you by Unibridge. I'm Yun Cheng, your host for today. So before we start, here's a little plug about Unibridge. We are a Singapore overseas education community aimed at bridging the information gap and bringing seniors and juniors closer together. If you'd like to join our community, please search us up on Instagram at unibridge underscore SG to find out more. On today's episode of the podcast, we have invited Ying Xuan, a sophomore at UCLA, to share more about her journey after A-levels and what she did prior to starting school at UCLA. Welcome, Ying Xuan, to our show today. Welcome. Yeah, hi, Ying <laughs> uh, Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, uh, maybe you can give us a brief introduction about yourself. Sure. So, uh, as you mentioned, my name is Ying Xuan. I'm currently a sophomore at UCLA. I'm studying economics and psychology and hopefully also minoring in environmental systems. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm currently a PSC scholar and I'm look, uh, very interested in social and um, economic issues with, uh, with regard to public policy. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Um, so since we're going to be talking about your journey after A-levels, right? So I think uh, we can start off with the day that your A-levels ended. So how do you feel when, you know, finally after preparing for so long, your A-levels finally ended? <laughs> um, honestly, I feel like it was quite anticlimactic in the sense that because we always end up with MCQ, right? So in the end, you're just like, oh, okay, one hour later, you're like, oh, it's done. Yeah, so it was, um, mm-hmm. but at the, so it was a little bit like anticlimactic, but at the same time, also very uh, liberating in a sense that because now you finally have all the time to do like whatever you want to do, things that are not related mm-hmm. to academics or like things that are related to academics, but in specific areas that you want to study. And also, I think it, mm-hmm. it was just, uh, it was great because at that time, um, pre-COVID, uh, I could go traveling with my family. <laughs> so in December, yeah. I actually went to Finland with them. And that was nice, a nice start to, I guess, what you would call my gap year. Lah. Mm. <laughs> it's very interesting because actually the previous person I interviewed, right? Yeah. He also went to Finland. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. He yeah, went but... to Finland. So he, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we were talking to him about like how he went uh, couch surfing. Uh... Yeah. And yeah, it was quite interesting uh, experience for him. Lah. Mm. So um, yeah, before we talk about your trip, right? Uh, your family trip, right? Yeah. Um, were you beginning to like kind of plan what you were going to do after A-levels during A-levels, during the A-level period itself? Or was it more of like after A-levels then you, okay, here's what I'm going to do now? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that I had, um, so I was fortunate enough to actually get invited to intern with HDB. I think it was like a school, sort of like a job shadowing program. So that was like my first three months kind of sorted for me. Like I think they reached out uh, maybe one or two months before A-levels ended and actually asked whether oh. I was interested in interning with a public agency, which I was at the time because mm-hmm. I was interested in um, some of like working with uh, the public service in the future. So that was mm-hmm. like, I guess, until early March. But beyond that, I didn't really have any plans. So the rest of the year was just like as and when, mm-hmm. um, things spark my interest and then I'll look into like whether or not I could do that. Yeah. So I would say that mm. probably good to have like one plan, but maybe not everything. <laughs> because even if you plan out your entire year, like sometimes you uh-huh. realize that your your interest might change. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I think that's very true because uh, <laughs> I had literally no plan coming out of A-levels. <laughs> I was <laughs> just going to wing it. And then uh, actually, I also applied to the PSC scholarship mm-hmm. just like you. But the funny thing was, their email landed up in my spam inbox. <laughs> okay. So I, I didn't realize until like five days before the deadline. 
Yeah, but that's like, okay, that's a story for another time. So yeah, I was scrambling, but luckily I had, you know, the two years during uh, NS to kind of prepare yeah. myself. Yeah, yeah so I, I guess um, for for you guys, uh, it may be a bit different. Yeah. Yeah, right. Um, so prior to your HDB internship, right? Yeah. Um, you mentioned that you went, with, went for a trip with your family, right? How was that? Um, I think it was it was extremely nice because I've never uh, been to uh, Europe other than Germany at that time and Germany was for a school mm-hmm. trip. So it was very nice to uh, go somewhere that is completely different in terms of lifestyle from Singapore, especially because, you know, Scandinavian way of life is like more chill, uh, yeah, yeah more chill and like more people oriented, I would say, like their culture. And also like going to a winter country was nice because I hadn't been to experience like weather like that in a very long time mm-hmm. um how long was that trip for it was about two weeks we almost saw like the northern lights but uh-huh. i think we okay so we did but it was like very very faint so it wasn't like those like spectacular mm-hmm. you know uh like uh-huh. pictures that you always see on like instagram or like on, on facebook mm-hmm. or whatever it was quite muted but at the same time it was still very exciting for us because uh, we hadn't seen it before yeah uh-huh. That's good, that's good. So, um, right after that, do you go on, like, any trips with your friends or was it just, like, coming back from Finland, you just, like, straight away started with your HDB internship? Yeah, pretty much because I actually came back, uh, I actually spent Christmas there, so by the time I came back, it was closer to January already and I started my internship mm-hmm. with HDB early January. Yeah, I only went on trips with my friends, like, towards the, like, towards school starting in, like, uh, August, September-ish time, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, during that period of time, were you kind of like applying for u- university at the same time? Like, yeah. during your trip? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> I recall that I... um, So, I was... I think UC, like where I am, I think the deadline, if I recall correctly, was like 23rd November or like somewhere along end November. <laughs> And um, a lot of but a lot of the US applications were actually due end December or early Jan, and so were UK applications. And I think some of the Singapore applications as well, although Singapore was like a little bit later, like maybe Feb March. Yeah, I might have gotten the timeline wrong, but I think it was January like that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yes, I was definitely I didn't do it on my trip, but after A level, so like early December, I w- was the period of time I was working on my applications and after coming back from my trip the last week of December I was also working on like applications yeah mm-hmm. um yeah one final thing before we move on yeah. to talking about your exciting internship HDB no problem. Uh, <laughs> so I, I've always wondered how is it like applying for US and UK universities while you're preparing for A-levels because that's something that I've not experienced mm. yeah uh, okay. so um, I would say that the one that I had to apply earliest was one of the US schools that I tried to apply for early action, uh, which I didn't get into. And on hindsight, it's probably a good thing because I enjoy uh, where I am right now very much. Um, uh-huh. And the second one was all the UCs like, because that was during November. I think that honestly, mm-hmm. I found it like uh, a pretty good break from studying for A-levels because at by that time, you're just very sick of studying the same thing again and again, especially because, like, the content doesn't really change and you stop, like, learning anything new in, like, I guess, June or May, I think. And mm-hmm. so, um, I would say that, but at the same, so I would say that it's a, 
it's just very different because one on one hand you're like studying and like marking right and then on the other hand you're like trying to be introspective especially for the US unis right you have to like think about like your yeah, life exactly. and things like that right mm-hmm. so I guess it kept me grounded in a way lah although it was quite difficult mm-hmm. because you know you're nervous about whether you will get in and like you're not sure what you're supposed to write but yeah it was a good distraction in a way yeah mm-hmm. So you you juggled everything all at the same time. That's oh, that's really impressive. Okay, but but Cause, like I was gonna say disclaimer though, I didn't apply for all my unis at the same time. It was only one US uni and two UCs that I was doing during in that period. Everything else was like after. Yeah. Also, oh, you you finished off your other u- university applications like all at the last minute. Yeah. <laughs> Can I take it as that? After A level, <laughs> so there was still one month. So I don't know if you count that as last minute. Then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. That. I mean, that's basically me. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, uh, sorry. I was gonna say after you write the first one, you kind of like can reuse some parts la, for the next few. Yeah. So it still yeah, gets a little easier. Yeah. But yeah, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. Um. So actually, moving on, right? Um. Let's talk about your internship with HDB. Yeah. So how was the internship there? Um. It was actually. I'm not sure why I was there in a very strange sort of way. So basically, um, uh-huh. in the project, I actually, the first one I applied to wasn't HDB. I, I really can't remember what it was now, but I uh, HDB was, I think, my third, third choice when I was putting in the application for the internship program. And I think they gave it to me because I said that I had a certain experience with uh, AutoCAD, which is like computer-aided design. Uh-huh. Um and I think that's probably why they gave it to me. But um, mm-hmm. it, the project itself, like in HDB, was um, architecture-based. So it was looking at like like designs for um, some of the new housing development um, estates in Pongo, especially like towards the digital mm-hmm. district area, if you know, like all the way at the south, like where you can see Malaysia and everything. And I thought that was cool because I actually stay in Pongo and I thought it would be interesting to see like the new development of where I stay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, so I would say that in that sense it was very relatable because I completely understood like what they were talking about when they say like amenities and things like that and also mm-hmm. it gave me I would say that it allowed me to learn more about something that I don't think I would actually work in because architecture is a very niche field right so it's like mm-hmm. a, um, it's like somewhere that I don't think I would ever uh, have like the talent or skill to have a full-time job in but at the same time uh-huh. like th- I got to see like a lot of the thought that goes behind designing HDB uh, buildings like for example um, there's like a actual zone that you cannot build uh, you have to put like a shelter over and you cannot have people walk under because they want to prevent killer litter and stuff like that and those are a lot of like the regulations that have been built in for like the sake of the people that I didn't even know existed yeah mm-hmm. and I guess after that, I managed to actually, um, like when you just walk along regular HDB estates, you really can see the difference and improvements in design or like the thought that goes into a design over time. So if you compare like old HDB and how they are built versus new HDBs, um, you can mm-hmm. see that they really like have like moved away from like the olden design of like, you know, just having like blocks of flats to like having some kind of central um like exercise area, garden area, things like that. Mm. And um, yeah, so very interesting, but I didn't really contribute that much. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> because 
yeah, I couldn't really contribute super a lot, but the people at HDB were extremely nice and they were always willing to like let me tag along. So actually, I didn't just tag along to my supervisor. Um, I actually tag along with like a lot of the other department um, staff members as well to go and visit like many, many different um, housing development, like construction sites and stuff like that. So yeah, that, mm-hmm. that was very eye-opening for me. Mm. I think that's really so true, Lord. Like, um, like being an intern, right, really allows you to gain so many insights into areas that you never, you yeah. never think that you were ever set foot in, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what was your role exactly as an intern? Because you mentioned that you know it was, it was about the architecture side of things, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I think many students before they take up internships, they they would always have this worry, like, oh, how much can I contribute, or yeah. how much am I able to? right yeah so what do you think about that i think that um this one i was gonna say that that being said this internship uh was only eight weeks and they did mention when they first asked us to apply that it was an experiential internship so i don't think that mm-hmm. we were expected to contribute super a lot in the first place it was mostly about learning and my supervisor definitely didn't like you know expect me to like you know be able to like i don't know draft up new plans or like uh help her do some mm-hmm. revolutionary like work but it was more of like for example being familiar with like uh design guidelines checking of some of the basic architecture plans to see whether or not they fulfilled those guidelines um helping them Mm -hmm. to like take notes whenever we went down to like site visits uh and then just asking a lot of questions i remember i asked like a lot of questions like why like this thing was designed this way why something was designed that way and Mm -hmm. they were always very willing to answer and i think in itself Mm -hmm. so i think that if like yeah, some somebody who is like going into your first or second internship and you're worried about like whether or not you can contribute, it's it's always nice to have I'm um, of course a good supervisor who will help you to set the ground rules or like set that set um what they expect you to contribute. Um and if they don't do that, it I, I think it'll be good if you just like pluck up the courage to like ask your supervisor like, hey, can we have like a first meeting where you know, we discuss like my skills and how I can contribute to like whatever your project is and where and like what I'm interested in learning. Like. So you can just like, you know, set the expectations for both you and your supervisor. But that being said, um, for internships that I have taken up, most of the time the supervisor is extremely like, you know, um, takes like the initiative to always ask me these things. So I've never had to like, you know, do it myself. Mm. Yeah. So don't worry too much. Mm. Yeah. That's true. Actually, having a good supervisor is very important yeah. as well. <laughs> yes, I, I can I can testify to this by saying. Uh, Yours was not I mean, so. Oh, it was very good. Uh, um, I mean, I mean, you can ask the NS guys, lah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll just keep it at that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so after your eight weeks with HDB, right? What uh, what do you do after that? Um, after my eight weeks, I went to learn how to drive. Uh, yes mm-hmm. and at the same time I was also waitressing on the side at a cafe because um, I wanted to earn some pocket money and not rely on my parents forever so yeah I was just mm-hmm. doing those things both part-time and just um, I guess enjoying the rest of whatever time is left yeah mm-hmm. how was your working experience compared to your internship experience mm, yeah so that's a very good question because I actually reflected on it a lot after uh, I left my internship and started uh, my, I guess, part-time job uh, waitressing. Mm-hmm. 
I think that one of the main like differences is the dynamic of people that you interact with or like the demographic of people that you interact with. So mm-hmm. for my um, waitressing experience, a lot of the uh, staff members were either like part-time uh, like me who were like looking into like, you know, waiting for you uh, to start university and looking to earn extra pocket mm-hmm. money. Or they were like people who had been working there for a really, really long time, but were unable to go into higher paying jobs because they didn't have like any, I guess, like uh, more valued skill sets or like mm-hmm. skill sets that would blend them like white collar jobs that would pay more. So a lot of, mm-hmm. um, like, for example, the chef, he had a young son who was, I think, I can't remember, but he was like quite small. And he actually shared that like he doesn't like working as a chef because of the long hours plus like weekends are burned and everything and -hmm. also our manager was pretty um like not that great but at the same time he didn't have a choice because he was actually a Malaysian here on um I think employment pass or like yeah Uh, so and so and he has to provide for his family so it's not like he can you know mm -hmm. just like stop working and just like chill yeah so just understanding and like meeting the people from different backgrounds made me like I guess like gives you a very it's a very humbling experience because you realize mm-hmm. that the world isn't just like comprised of people who are like you or like from your school that kind of background but also like people mm-hmm. who um, might not necessarily um, have the same dreams or aspirations as you mm-hmm. and I think that another thing is that when you're interning as an intern you are usually someone who is like in school right and looking for a work experience whereas if you're working you're like completely liable for like any of like the actions that you do because you're just another employee it's not like oh you're just Mm -hmm. sitting there to learn but you're actually there like as a monetary transaction kind of like uh i pay Mm -hmm. you to work yeah so if like any of like the customers um complain about you or like uh you you mess up something like the onus is completely on you whereas i feel Mm -hmm. that if you're in an internship your supervisor is still like like more willing to like oh it's okay since you're like just learning etc yeah so i would say Mm -hmm. the role itself is very different Mm -hmm. i think very one very uh, important point that you mentioned was how um you were able to be exposed to or interact with a diverse bunch of people yeah that have uh, they have a different life experience from you yeah because i think uh, that's kind of like the most significant step after a levels which is just stepping out of that yeah. kind of like jc bubble that we were all in yeah and then kind of interacting with people from different backgrounds i think that was one of my biggest takeaways as well in ns especially yeah. during bmp yeah yeah so. Mm. so moving on to something a bit more um spicy <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned at the start that you were a PSC scholar. I mean, mm-hmm. you are you are a PSC scholar. Mm. Yeah. So, you applied for the PSC scholarship yeah. in December, right? Um, right uh, somewhere in December and January, yeah. Uh-huh. So, walk us through the whole process. Like, how was it like uh, applying and then getting your interviews? And... Sure. Um, so, applying was not actually that all that interesting you just write your application um which i think at that point in time comprised of like an essay plus like a few like questions about yourself that kind of thing mm-hmm. and then you submit it um and then you wait to be called for the interview and i think that in- i'm not sure if the interview process might have changed since then but um 
I think now they're looking towards like having like more games related like interview slash like mm. mini like mini games that kind of thing. But at that time it was just still a panel interview. So uh, mm-hmm. we were sitting I remember and I remember this very distinctly because it occurred on my like the, my interview date occurred on my birthday. So I was like, oh my oh, goodness. God. Yeah, like quite scared. So I walked into National Library where the PSCHQ actually is. And then uh your face is like all like ten plus um, very experienced and senior public service slash like uh, I guess like people who have been in the industry for like many many years and like their combined age is probably like 50 times whatever you were at that point in time because they are super super experienced yeah so uh, you really have to have a thick skin because they ask you very I, I, I mean I can't really say the questions but they ask you very uh, deep um, and ch- challenging and broad questions but at the same time they don't like um how to say they don't really like hold back from like criticizing you if they think that your idea is like you know bad or like they think that you are saying something that's like very immature they're just like oh why do do you think this or like no that's not what i was asking that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and so that was honestly the most nerve-wracking part for me because it's really like one of you versus many of many experienced people yeah so that was like whoa yeah but uh other than and so after that i left feeling that i didn't do very well on the interview yeah um so i was like quite oh okay it's fine like you know if i don't get um the scholarship that's fine too i can just like look into other opportunities for higher ed and other scholarships as well that will allow me to still go into a public service um yeah so i was actually researching those options when um, they got back to me via email to say that I was accepted. So yeah, mm. that's the whole process. Okay, I I very much relate to your experience. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's very nerve wracking. I can yeah. I, I completely understand you. Yeah. Yeah. That oh man, that panel. Yeah. <laughs> um, we just we're not gonna go into that yeah, much detail yeah. about uh the whole mm-hmm. um the whole PSC application yeah, process. I think that's but I think... for another day. <laughs> Yeah, but I think something that is uh, more important than talking about the internship application process, right, is mm. why did you choose to apply for PSE? Or what other types of scholarships do you apply? Was it all public service? Or, like, did you already know at right at the start that, hey, I like I feel like public service is my calling and that's why I want to go for the scholarship? Yeah, so I would say that I had... Are you curious of- about insurance rationale behind choosing scholarships? Stay tuned for the next episode of the podcast to find out more. And to our audience, if you would like to hear more of these stories, be sure to stay tuned to our future episodes of Unity. And if you would like to connect with more seniors and learn more about all things related to studying overseas, do feel free to join our Unibridge community on Telegram. See you guys again in the next episode of our podcast. Bye! Bye.